Good morning. Uh, it's great to be up here. Um, my name's Colin, as Michelle introduced. Uh, it's been a while since I've been up here. Um, my wife and I and our three wonderful children have been at the church for about 10 years. Um, my wife actually grew up in this church from, I think, uh, probably year two or year three. So we've got a long uh, history of connection with this church, and we love this church. And uh, when Dean asked me to preach this morning, particularly because it's National Reconciliation Week, and some of you may have heard stories about uh, what's happening in Australia in terms of our reconciliation approach with our Indigenous brothers and sisters. So it's a real privilege to be here today with, uh, I suppose, my True North hat on and also my World Vision hat. So it really is great to be here this morning. I just want to pray. Why don't we just close our eyes and just open up our hearts this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we live in a beautiful country uh, with so many beautiful people and different nations and different cultures. And Father, I just pray this morning that you would um, quicken our hearts to hear what you would want to say to each one of us, but also as a church. What is it you're leading us into? Just as we've heard Pastor Dale share there, what is it that you're leading us into, God? What's our journey look like, both for our families and for our community in relation to reconciliation? building better relationships, understanding. Just pray that you will uh, guide this morning and uh, just really speak into the hearts of each person. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone said? Amen. amen. Great. All right, well, let's. Um, I've got a little activity for you guys. I'm sorry if this sounds a bit like a school teacher talk this morning, but uh, that's a bit of my history. So uh, are you ready for a lesson? Yes. Are you ready for a lesson? All those people on the back row? Okay. All right. I'm just going to use my little teaching guide here. All right. Now, some of you are going, oh, I've seen this before. I want you to look at this picture, and then I want you to t- talk to the person on either side of you and tell me, tell them what you see. What is it that you see in this picture? And don't say you when you get up really early in the morning. Okay, class. All right. Who wants to shout out what they see? Yes. An old woman. Who else saw an old woman? Not sitting next to you. (laughs) Young lady next to you. Can everyone see the young woman? The old woman. Who can see something different? Ah, a a lady looking backwards. A young woman. Who can see the young woman? Who can't see the young woman? Come on, be honest, it's okay. <laughs> I want, it's interesting, isn't it? When you first look at this, you can see the big nose and the, the, late, the old lady's got a, a third coat on. Can you see that? And if you actually look at the nose again in a different way, it's actually the side of the face of a young lady. And instead of the mouth, it's actually a necklace. Can you see that? I see it. Do you see it? <laughs> If you can't see, talk to the person next to you and get them to help you. Sometimes we need other people to point out. We can't see it sometimes, and it's what you call, we need to shift our perspective, shift our paradigm. And when you see it, it's like, my goodness. That's going to baffle you, some of you, all day, isn't it? All right. Okay, let's have a show of hands. Who can see both ladies now? Oh, you guys are just very smart, aren't you? Top of the class. 
Fantastic. So this morning we're looking at perspective. And it's very easy. Each of us come with our own experience, our own uh, story. We come with our own attitudes and and, uh, perceptions of things because of our upbringing, because of where we live, who we associate with. We see things in a certain way. We have a certain lens of seeing things. And sometimes it's really hard to see outside of that because this is the way you've always seen. This has been your reality. We have blind spots. And God calls us to uh, look at things differently, to have a paradigm shift. And that's not easy, particularly in the church when we hear a certain message and we, we think a certain thing and we hold on to that because we think, well, this is something that God has spoken to me. And this morning, it's not about me convincing you. It's not about me um, saying this is the, what you need to think, but it's actually about are you willing to go on a journey in your own heart to search your own heart about what your preconceptions have been about our history, about our Indigenous people in Australia. Maybe some of you here today have never met an Indigenous person, an Aboriginal or a Torres Strait Islander person. Maybe some of you are new to this country and so you don't really know much about our history. You hear a little bit on the media. Maybe some of you have got some friends or colleagues at work that you know are Indigenous and they're quite proud of that. Maybe some of you have had a negative experience. Maybe some of you are actually would say that you identify as an Aboriginal or a Torres Strait Islander. And I want to really thank you. If, you, if that is you here today, I just want to welcome you and um, just really acknowledge the, the wonderful um, gift that you have given our nation. And it hasn't always been easy, but I want to thank you that you're here today and that you belong to this community, if that is you. So we have a world view, don't we? We have a perspective and, and way of looking at things. Have you ever bought... Who's bought a new car recently? Anyone? Yep. This is like confession time. Michelle, have you bought a new car as well this morning? Didn't tell Musa. <laughs> All right. So it's amazing. As soon as you buy that car, what happens? Everywhere you go, you see your car. Have you ever found it's like everyone's got the same car? I thought my car was unique. How about mums? Mums out there, maybe you've just had a newborn and suddenly everywhere you see mums with prams. Is that right? Everything through your filter is like that's all you see. You see kids screaming. <laughs> you see nappies, you see rows of nappies in the shops. Everything's about the child. When you get married, your perspective changes. Who believes your perspective on life changes when you get married? For the good, yeah, for the good, you begin to think about your partner. You see things through their lens, through their perspective. Who knows when you have kids, your perspective changes on life and what's important, yeah? Oh, yeah. So we all have things in our life which begin to change and challenge our perspective. Uh, Stephen Covey once wrote in that book, Seven Highly Effective Habits of Successful People, something like that. Uh, It says, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. You know, often we think it's what's happening out there, but it's actually our filter, what we see through. God is inviting us on a wonderful journey. Here's some of my colleagues that I work with at uh, World Vision. I've been uh, really blessed to be at World Vision for about seven years now, and particularly the last uh, three or four years working with the Aboriginal um, programs, uh, Australia program team. 
up in the left-hand corner, next to that very handsome guy on the left, uh, Larry and Sharon, who I work with in Brisbane on a gender-based violence program, which in, empowers and equips Aboriginal churches to deal with domestic violence within their communities. And they're having amazing impact. They're wonderful people, have an incredible story. They're both uh, Indigenous artists as well, produce some amazing artwork, similar to what you saw at the beginning here. You might have seen that first. So similar to this, so it's pretty incredible stuff. Uh, and in the right there, there's a whole group of us that got together on the top of Mount Tambourine, just outside of Brisbane. Some of you may have been there. We had a wonderful retreat with a whole lot of brothers and sisters from all over. And uh, down the bottom there, uh, Pastor Billy Williams next to me. He's well known around Australia as a great cultural uh, speaker about Indigenous faith and spirituality as well. And so I've been really blessed to have that experience. And I know that each one of us come with our own experience. And as I said, um, I've been really blessed to have that. And I know it's not necessarily going to be uh, have that opportunity to actually even connect in that way with many Aboriginal people in our community. But I want us to be thinking about what we can do to learn and to have a posture that says we're willing to go on a journey. We want to go on a journey. And I want to encourage you this morning just to be open to that. So a change of perspective... You know, in the late uh, first century, there's a word that became used quite often, uh, and it was the word repentance. And we think about that word and we think, oh, yes, it means penance, it means sorrow, it means guilt, it means remorse, it means a sense of trying to get things right to confess. But sometimes we've actually, because of history, that, that's actually been taken out of context. In the original Greek translation, the word repent actually means to change your mind, to have a change of mind. The word is metanoia. And it basically means to change your mind about something or someone. So when Jesus and the Apostle Paul and John the Baptist were saying, repent, it was turn a different direction. Have a change of perspective. Have a different paradigm about this issue or about this person or about where to walk, how to live, how to speak. This is what God was talking about. And I want to tell the story about the prodigal son because I think that really um, shows us really clearly what it means for us to have a change of heart. So there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Now, I don't know about you, but in that story, you get a sense that one day he just had enough, that he was in that pig trough and he was starving. You know, going from a place of being a son in a wealthy household, 
a well-known wealthy household to a place where he was even fighting after the scraps in the pig pen. I wonder if he didn't actually just come to that point straight away, but it was over a period of time of thinking back, remembering what life used to be like, thinking about what he had with his brother and his father and his family, those nagging thoughts of why am I in this place? Is there any other option? Can I do something different? What else is there? And he finally came to a point where he said in his heart, I've got to identify that I'm in a bad place and I've brought myself here. I've got some responsibility here. And he had a change of heart. He woke up to his senses. And sometimes for us, we can be like that prodigal son who thinks a certain way and has certain relationships and holds those values very tightly. And yet God, through his, his merciful voice that speaks to us, just as maybe that prodigal son thought, well, actually, my, my father, you know, even if I can't be called his son, maybe he'll take me back as a servant. Maybe, just maybe I can at least um, eat better than these pigs. And that's what he was hoping. And you know what happened? The father superseded, exceeded what he was expecting. He ran to him. He opened his arms. He put on a ring. He killed a fatted calf. He celebrated his son had returned. And sometimes when we're going into a new relationship with maybe understanding a new culture or meeting someone who's different to us and we're not sure how to respond because of the different histories that we've had, we can feel like mm, we don't really know what this is going to be like. But as you begin to turn around, change your perspective, be willing to listen to that voice of change, of thinking about the other person, you begin to realise that there's an amazing gift on the other side and that there's a, a opening arms like a father and there's a gift there for us to receive. But many of us don't take hold of that gift. And I've been really blessed to, to meet some inspiring Aboriginal people who have been through amazing adversity. And yet their story, not only of perseverance, but of faith in that place has just been inspiring to me and has changed me. And so I just want to encourage you to think outside the box a little bit. Position yourself like the prodigal son with a posture of humility. You said, Father, I need to come back. This life is not not working for me and I need to come back to that place and I believe you'll be surprised if you take those first few steps reach out go to an event where you can connect with Aboriginal people learn about Aboriginal culture don't just listen to anything you hear on the media but actually go a bit deeper get to know some people in your community find out what's happening in your own local suburb and just begin to explore that and realize that God's heart beats not just for this church, it beats for those in the margins. Jesus went out to the margins. Jesus' heart was, our mission is for those that maybe aren't accepted in the broader society. And we know that many Aboriginal people feel so marginalised that they can't reach out a hand to us because they're so um, trapped in that sense of marginalisation and victimisation that they need us and we need them. We actually need each other. But how about we just take off some of those scales of our eyes and think, maybe I need to see things a little bit different. Some of you may recognise this image. Anyone tell me? The Berlin Wall. That was a pretty uh, monumental day, wasn't it? Uh, in 1989, the, the wall came down. And I just really love this picture of, with us, sometimes we have certain attitudes and thoughts and we need to begin to take those bricks away, one by one, parts of that wall, 
our preconceptions, our stereotypes, and begin to break them down. And we realise that there are actually people on the other side of those. We can actually reach out our hand and have a relationship. That we can actually not just see a brick wall, but we can actually see people that we can have community with. And I can just imagine those people on either side, um, a sense of reunion, of connection, of reconciliation. And that's what God wants for us. You know, what are those bricks for us in our minds, in our hearts? Maybe it's fear, fear of the unknown, fear of making a mistake, fear of offending someone that's different to us. Maybe it's guilt because we know there's a sense of guilt sometimes that can make us do things or you know, feel afraid to, to reach out. Maybe there's prejudice. And sometimes maybe it's just apathy and ignorance. We just never knew. We never knew that history. And you know what? That's okay as long as you don't stay in that place to actually take that step and say, actually, that was my journey. I just started to take a few steps and say, maybe things aren't exactly as I thought and just be willing to take that step and God will show you. You know, there's people over in America at the moment, particularly some running for president, who are very concerned with building walls, keeping people out. The church shouldn't be one of those places. We need to begin to tear down those walls and reach out and welcome people from all cultures, all backgrounds. Because perfect love casts out fear. And as we ask for God's help and God's grace, he will show us and he will help us connect with those around us. You know, the word reconciliation actually means to get right with God and each other, to restore relationships with God, with ourselves. Sometimes we need to be reconciled even to ourselves. what it means in our identity in Christ, with others and with creation, with our environment. What does it mean to be reconciled? And back in Genesis 1 and 2, you get an amazing picture of a restored, of what um, heaven is supposed to be like, what the world is supposed to be like, where there's harmony between all relationships. And yet when sin came, that's when those relationships were broken. And God wants to begin to restore those. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. Actually, I'll get you to read it with me. Let's read it together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And let's look at the next one. Let's read this one together as well. Therefore... If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. I don't know about you, but I've read that verse so many times and I've thought about it and then suddenly it just hit me. Sometimes I've, I've read that the wrong way around. I've, I've actually thought, well, actually, if I've got an issue with someone, then I need to leave my altar. I need to leave my gift of worship in the church because to, I need to make right. Well, that might be the case, but it's also there may be actually someone who's got something against you. You may not have done anything wrong, but if someone else against you has something against you, it's our responsibility, it's our call from God to say, you need to leave your gift and go make it right. Do what you can to be at right uh, relations with another. So we're sitting here today and we're thinking, are there people 
that have anything against us. And maybe it's not a specific person, but maybe our responsibility as a church is to think, actually, as a church, there are people in our nation that feel that there's something, there's a misjustice that's happened. There's some things that still need to be told, the truth about certain situations. What role can the church have in going on that journey so that when we come to worship, we've got a sense of actually we're on a journey with our friends. We're on a journey with our Indigenous brothers and sisters and we want to go on this journey with them together. Amen. Is that all right? Okay. It's a lot to to think about this morning, particularly at the 9 o'clock. I was up at 4 o'clock with uh, burst gas mains and uh, had a cold shower. So... And I normally don't come to the nine o'clock, so please pray for me. <laughs> you know, um, maybe this has been your, um, what you've said when you've seen certain things or you've been asked about Aboriginal uh, issues. You've said, I never really thought about it. That's not for me. I'm not one of those greeny lefties. That's not the church's role. Maybe it's been, I don't have any issues with these people. Notice the language, these people. I don't even know any of these people. I didn't do anything to hurt them. I didn't steal their children. But maybe some of them have an issue with us. You know, it's a social issue we all must engage with if we choose to live a life that honours God. And as a, as a people in, in church, what is our part? If, what's our complicity in perpetuating a cycle? And I believe that no matter what programs are happening out there and what we feel like we want to do to help, it's actually about relationship. All of the things that World Vision has done, we've realised, unless it's actually built on a sense of mutual respect and understanding and relationship and empowerment, then programs don't go anywhere. We need to make sure that there's respect and understanding. Some of you may have seen this documentary recently called First Contact. Anyone? On SBS? I think it was on last year. No one? No one. Okay, well, that's your first assignment, people. Okay, kids. SBS. So, and they took, uh, they took six people from all around Australia on this journey. They'd never experienced, they'd never met an Aboriginal person. And Ray Martin, who's got a real close affinity with uh, Indigenous people, he's actually, I think one of his grandmothers is actually Indigenous, which he found out. An amazing story. He took these six people around Australia to see different parts of um, Indigenous life. And this is one of the young girls, and this is what she said. Before the journey, I would never have thought that my biggest life inspiration would come from Aboriginal people. Looking back, I can't believe the ignorance I showed and the disrespect I showed by not even taking the proactive approach to find out more and just believing everything that I had been told. And this is a young girl, probably doesn't go to church, probably doesn't have that sense of faith that we would say is important for loving your neighbour, but yet her eyes have begun to see things differently. Okay, who likes Mythbusters, anyone? All right, we're going to do a quick Mythbusters. Actually, I'll get you to stand up, because you're looking a bit tired for the nine o'clock. Come on, stretch. Massage the person next to you. No, you don't have to do that. Okay, sit down. All right, I've got to move quickly. <laughs> it's, when I thought about this message, I thought, man, there's so much I want to say, and I probably don't get up here very often, probably another five years before they let me up again. But if you want to talk to me about some of this stuff after, I really am happy to do that. Uh, but very quickly, let me just share with you some of the myths, some of the bricks that have been taken out of, uh, of the wall that I've built uh, from my history around Aboriginal culture and life. And, and I think this is something for us to think about. I think we might, oh, there we go. So this was the Australia I knew. This is the Australia that I grew up with. 
Now, here's the Australia I've come to know. Here's some facts for you. Before colonisation in 1788, there was between 250 and 700 separate nations and clans in Australia. Just over 200 years ago. There were around 600 different languages spoken and dialects. Now there are only 145, with 110 of those languages critically endangered. Previously, when we came, when Captain Cook came, there was 750,000 Aboriginal people living in Australia. By 1900, it fell to 117,000. It decreased by 84%. At present, 3% of our population uh, identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. That's 670,000. Indigenous Australians were the first humans to move out of Africa, making them the world's oldest continuous living culture. Indigenous Australians had trade routes all over Australia and even with people from Indonesia and Papua New Guinea. So before there were any trade agreements that we set up, they had them. Indigenous Australians have complex kinship and social systems and I've got to, to meet some of them and, and connect with people who've even given me a, a name, a language name and a, a local tribe name. Uh, how they relate is just fascinating and it's amazing. There is no single Indigenous experience. It varies from one person to the next. Some identify with traditional Indigenous culture and they connect with country. Some don't often not by choice, but because they were removed as children. Some have dark skin, some are much fairer. Did you know in Australia that 79% of Indigenous people actually live in cities and towns, regional towns, and it's only 21% that live in remote areas, and yet a lot of our focus is what's happening in just the outback, which is important, but you've got to remember that's only one perspective. Uh, many Aboriginal people excel in medicine now. Doctors, lawyers, politicians, business, science, academia, not just sport and the arts. And there are many connections between Indigenous dreaming stories in the Bible and Christian faith. You know, God has been speaking even before white man came and, and brought the news of Jesus. The amazing stories that when I've sat down in the, in the central Australia with some of our Aboriginal Christian leaders and they've shared their story about how Christ revealed himself through the stars and through the, through the country. Um, and obviously, when white man came, maybe that was an extension of that story and it, it went deeper. But we've got to remember that God was here before we came. God was speaking through this land to this people, to these peoples. And there's a gift that God wants to give back to us as we reach out a hand of friendship. So... I might save this for another time, but basically I wanted to share a little bit of my story. I grew up, I'll do a two-minute version because I know we're running out of time, but I grew up uh, on a farm, about uh, 2,500 acres of sheep farm down near Katanning, in between Katanning and Kojanup. Some of you may know that part of the country. And uh, our property uh, was right next to Carolup, which became known as the Marybank Mission. I'm sorry about the photos, but here we go. <laughs> So for four generations, we farmed, we've been farming on this property and uh, the Carolup River actually runs through our property and you can see there we're down by the river there with our 
tractor tyres and uh, used to go fishing and try to touch the bottom. Never succeeded. But, uh, you know, used to have a great time down there. We'd hunt for rabbits and, and uh, lay traps and all that sort of stuff. Oh, I shouldn't probably say that, but anyway, we used to do that. <laughs> and uh, you can see down there, that's my little boy Matthew when he was little, just taking him down to the same river. And it was interesting that Dad sometimes used to come back. I remember Dad coming back to our house and sometimes saying he saw some Aboriginal people just down by the river doing some hunting and stuff and... And uh, I didn't really think much about it. But he often sort of gave the impression that they were very fearful and that they'd quickly run off. And for all my primary school years, I grew up, I went to um, the local primary school where probably a third of the kids uh, in some of my classes were Aboriginal. The mission, which is right next to our farm, used to pick up the kids on the bus every morning and I'd sit next to them on the way to school. But I didn't really think much, much differently. It was only too much later I realised, actually, maybe that's why they sometimes kept to themselves. Maybe that's why sometimes they weren't at school. Maybe that was why sometimes some of them got into fights. Some of them felt teased. Some of them struggled learning. Maybe their life hadn't been that easy sometimes. And so I, I began to go on a journey just recently when I got to go back to that place and I walked through, it's obviously closed now, but this was the place initially back in 1915 where it was actually one of the main camps, that and the Moor River Settlement, some of you may have seen Rabbit Proof Fence, the Carolot Mission was also one of the, the main missions where a lot of the kids from the southwest region were taken from their parents and um, grew up in these homes and the conditions were horrific. And I won't share too much about that because we have little ears here, but I want you to think about some of the things that people have been through in the past, but that that has an intergenerational impact. And what's the church's role to identify that, to remember rightly the stories, to acknowledge it, not to have pity, but to actually say, well, we need to be a part of accepting that story, acknowledging our part in continuing that cycle, and to reach out a hand of friendship. And that's what I really feel God's called us to do is to reach out that hand of friendship. Here's one of my mates, Grant. This is a funny photo because we just started at World Vision and he's actually a, used to be a pastor. You can tell who the pastors are, can't you? <laughs> Pentecostal pastors there. Uh, turning up in our black vests and uh, purple shirts. Uh, Grant and I have had many adventures. We've been to South Africa. We've been chased by elephants. Uh, you can see that actually did happen. We actually got chased by an elephant. Um, one of the safaris. We've, uh, you can see the biltong. We enjoyed a bit of biltong. Who loves biltong? I know there's a few South Africans here. Come on. <laughs> um, and uh, I've really get, got to know his family. His fa- he's got to meet our family and we've connected and the kids have really loved to meet Grant and sing songs with him. And, and as you do that, just those simple little encounters of engagement and realising their life, they're so much like us. It's not them and us. It's actually, well, they, they share a lot of the same dreams and aspirations that we have. And yet they've got a whole lot of history that we didn't have to deal with. And so part of the journey for me has been just to acknowledge that and to think, well, what can I do um, to pray for my brother, to, to be a part of him and, and to just to share that his story? And um, I can't speak for him on his behalf, but what I want to do this morning is just to encourage you to think outside the box, to think about the journey that we've been on. You know, the, country, the beautiful country that we live in. Be willing to learn. Be willing to embrace different cultures. And in James it says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. I want to finish with a very short video of Richard, who we work with with our Channels of Hope program. 
And he just gives a really interesting perspective on um, what he sees as the need in our nation. I just want you to take that and to think about it. And, um, yeah, um, re- really make this a, a moment. Not just another service, but actually maybe this is something we need to talk about as a family. What can we do? And not so much what can we get out and do, but actually what can we learn? What do we need to unpack in our own history? Lord, I just thank you for this morning. And I pray as uh, we've heard this, maybe some of it's been quite hard-hitting, but I just pray that you would just uh, guide us with your wisdom and with your mercy. Lead us through this journey. Uh, We know it's a continual journey. And we thank you for the gift of our Indigenous people in Australia and uh, the things that are beginning to happen where friendship is being built and bricks Uh, Brick walls are being lowered and we can reach out a hand of friendship.